Hey everyone, welcome back to the Not So Rare podcast. This is Taylor Lewis here with Liz Beauvais. And um, we got Chewy Lewis in the room too for some emotional support today as we talk about a topic that has been um it's been in the works. And today we're gonna do an intro to it. We're gonna talk about fertility, preservation, and um, just family planning in general. We're going to start a series on this to talk about our experiences and the journeys that we're currently going through and hoping to have a few guests on that can give their perspectives as well. So as we're kind of hopping into things, I think it'd be good for us, Liz, to give maybe a rundown about what it's looking like right now for us. What do you think? That sounds good. And I'm really, really sad that our listeners don't have the video of today because um, if you could see what I am seeing, Chewy definitely knows that he's here for emotional support. He's sitting very regally with his like neck up high and his nose up and he's just accepting as many pets as possible. So we might need to do a special picture of Chewy sitting in this position so our viewers can see what his role is in today's episode. Definitely. Yeah, he knows. I feel like dogs always know um, the same way literally all of Alex and I's appointments regarding fertility he has been in on, whether he's concerned about being replaced or not. I don't know exactly why, but every time he sat right in between us. So kind of going into that, where I am today, it feels like, so we've, I'm not going to lie. We've recorded what we thought would be this episode already. And And that was months ago. That was like, we started recording these episodes back in February. I know we released in March, but this was probably like the second or third episode we ever recorded before anything even went live. Yeah. And um, there was a lot of back and forth about whether we were ready or not. And I feel like looking back now, I'm happy it's not out into the universe the way that it was. Um, because I don't feel, I know Chewy, big yawn. I don't feel like Liz and I were quite there yet where we are today. And don't get me wrong. There's going to be topics that we're going to talk about that. I'm not sure how I'll react to them. Um, there's some stuff that's still, gets me pretty emotional with this topic, but I'm at a place now where I feel like there's been more positive and more stuff to look forward to than there has been a feeling of loss, which is really nice. And I think as we're preparing for today's episode, there's been a lot of emotions that Taylor and I have gone through as we're even trying to get ourselves to understand what family planning means for us. Um, And one of the topics that, and maybe we just start with this topic right now is when you're an oncology patient, there's a lot of medication that you're on that whether you can't be on it when you're pregnant or they're unsure what it means for a fertility perspective for you. And so it's, it's very hard when you know you need to be on medication and not even knowing well, if I were to be pregnant, can this medicine, can I still take this medicine? If I can't, what does that mean for you? And both Taylor and I were put on medication because we we needed to be on it in a fairly short time period. And it wasn't even something that we could even bring ourselves to even think about at that time because we were more focused on our health. Um, and so one of the struggles that we've both been working through was, was this something that we should have talked about 
at that moment in time? Was it something that we should have been asked about or was it something that we should have been thinking about in Taylor's case a couple of years ago? Um, and so that's really kind of been the struggle is as a rare disease patient, when are you okay enough and stable enough in your health to be thinking about family planning? Or is it something that we as patients and the medical team should be bringing up to us from day one? So that's, I think, an answer that has changed for me in in a positive way. When I started things out, just kind of like giving a little, a little synopsis of where things are. So I had originally planned to, um, you know, carry the child, have a child with my husband due to the way that my disease progressed, especially after having COVID unvaccinated. Um, we decided that for my health and for the medications I am on, that it is not doable for myself personally. Um, at this time, I felt a lot of frustration towards my healthcare team and just, um, you know, kind of like projecting all of those feelings into the wrong place because they're on the same boat that I am. There's a lot that's unknown. There's a lot of answers, I think, as rare disease patients like we want, but literally they're not there. And I think it took a lot for me to get to that point to understand that it may have been an option when I was younger. I may have had more success being able to go off and carry the child, but the way that my disease has progressed to today, it's, um, you know, it's get pregnant, carry the child or, you know, the potential of becoming paralyzed from that along with many other risk factors, including, um, GI complications and among a lot of things. So kind of viewing that from my perspective now of like, okay, there's, there's this very small chance that you can have this child, but what does that mean for you individually as a person taking care of the child? Probably won't be able to lift the child regularly. Even now, um, there's issues with weight bearing activities and whatnot and, and lifting and, um, to think that I wouldn't be able to function in that way was really scary to me. So we talked about the alternatives of, well, let's talk about fertility preservation, egg freezing, right? And so we get to the point and um, do all the testing and find that my ovarian reserve and my anti-malarian hormone are extremely low, um, almost functioning to that of a 50 to 60 year old, which is at the age of 27 when I did it, is incredibly rare, right? That's not normal. Um, and, you know, we can kind of think about it a few different ways. I've been on, I was on serolimus for 10 years and I've been on this alpelosib for uh, about a year and a half now. So like, you know, there's part of that where I greatly feel either my disease medication or both is impacting that. We don't know that for sure. That's not something that at this point we have enough clinical data to examine. Um, but knowing what I know about, about my body, something, something's not right there. So we chose that it would be the safe route to not try fertility preservation for myself because going 
off my medication posed a bigger risk than staying on it. Right now, my husband and I are really happy to say we are going to be beginning the surrogacy journey soon. And we're going to go through that route. Um, It's incredibly expensive, (laughs) but something that we're, we're getting hopeful for. And we're, we're looking forward to the future again. And I met Taylor. It's probably been maybe a year, a year and a quarter, a year and a half. I don't really know when Taylor and I first started interacting. And I don't think I realized, at least at the beginning part of our, our friendship, that this was a journey Taylor was going on. And it wasn't anything that our friendship wasn't there yet. But like, I just think it's a topic that people don't talk about until they're ultra comfortable with someone. And what's unfortunate is I wish I could have been there to help provide more support to you, Taylor, during like the earlier stages of this, because I, I know how hard it is to bring it up to your doctors, how hard it is to bring it up to your family and bring it up to everyone that's involved. And for anyone out there who's going through this and just trying to see like, is this even a possibility for me? There's so many emotions that are tied behind even getting yourself to even bring up the conversation with your doctors. Yeah. And I think we live in a society where it's like we are in this culture of media, whether we're consuming it on, you know, we're hearing things, seeing things and TV movies that having a child and and good fertility seems like it's just like you see these women have sex one time and boom, pregnant, right? And then having these perfectly healthy babies and and struggles are never portrayed. I mean, there's it's hard for me to even think of a movie where that has been shown. And and so this kind of like misconception that women have these issues. And so it makes it incredibly hard to come forward and talk about, I would say for myself, it's something that I always made a priority in my healthcare because I knew that this was like a huge thing that I wanted for myself and my family. So maybe this will be kind of for another episode since this is our introduction, but I would like to go in further in the future because there's a whole story with that. But I know that that will for sure take some time, but Liz, any updates for us? Sure. So I know we've talked about this in our dating episodes. I am currently single. And I think that that is okay. Like I have, fr- like I'm going to a wedding this week. I have a lot of friends that are recently getting married. It's, I think that the older millennial generation just has focused a lot on their careers and their education more so than the generations before us. And I do think it's a trend of getting married later, having children later. So fertility hasn't really been something that's been on my radar because I just haven't been to that point in my, in your life. I was so focused on school and work that it's not even really something I thought about. Um, I think growing up, I probably joked saying, I don't know if I want to have kids, but I think that that's not necessarily because it's something I didn't want. It's just, I couldn't see myself in that role at that young age. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't necessarily the person who had the baby doll and carried it every place and thought that they were the mom to the baby doll. Like I liked my dolls, but they didn't necessarily go with me everywhere in my life. Um, and so I think it's been more so as I'm starting to realize what the medications do and what my disease is doing and how I'm feeling that like I 
I started to realize that I probably needed to start thinking about this. Um, And I think what's really sort of unfortunate in my case is I started my care under adult oncology. And I feel like many oncology patients my age would have been given conversations about family planning and just talking about it, especially when there's even a chance that you have cancer and that you know that it's a couple of weeks of trying to figure stuff out, that I think that there is a problem in not even having conversations with an adult who is of childbearing age of what they want to do. And I, I think that that, because those conversations never happened with me, I also feel like it wasn't something that early on I was even thinking about. It wasn't until really a teller until you and I started talking about it that like, I realized, wait, maybe I need to think about this. Maybe this is something that I need to consider or find out for me, not because I necessarily think I'm going to go off and have a child, but I don't want to have the option taken away from me if I have a partner who wants to have a child. I think there's like a lot of pressure for us, not only as like rare disease patients, but females in general, like it's almost, you feel this like burden that it's up to you to like take care of this and, and have some fertility preservation because it's like, I think a lot of people forget it takes two parties to make a child and a lot of just social pressures are on women in general. And there's so much more that you and I do day to day. Like we're very career focused and, and we have a lot of stuff outside of it, but this is something that I think like is hard because it deals with the acceptance piece of loss again, like losing the ability for me to have a child that's genetically mine to carry the child, to have that kind of experience is something that I think it's overlooked sometimes by doctors when we're thinking so clinically that quality of life and what's important to us becomes secondary. And I think too, and this will go back. So if you're a new listener, please go back and listen to our dating with rare disease episodes. We had a couple of them. And when we filmed those, I wasn't really even quite ready to like share this, but there is also this portion of if you're starting a a relationship and there is a chance it could be long-term, I was almost something that was on my back of my mind of if I'm going to start something, are they even going to still love me if we get down this path and there's not an option for a child? Not saying that that's really what my options are, but like at that, at that point, even at this point, not really knowing what having a child would look like if my body's capable of it, if I can handle the pregnancy I think for me, if I wanted to go down that route, there's a whole lot of doctors I'd have to talk to before we'd even determine if that's safe for me. Um, So that's something that as a rare disease patient, if that's a question in your mind, it's very impactful as you're starting relationships because it's the question of, well, how far in this relationship should I, one, share about my disease, which is what we talk about in our episodes, but then further, when do you start talking about the impact this might have on their future? And part of that is, would I be holding my partner back if I can't have a child? And that's a big old, big old thing to feel and to have to carry 
Um, cause I've been there for sure. And we'll definitely go into that in the future. I think another part of our series that I do want to go into because quite honestly, it's a fear of mine that I think of a lot and it's related to Roe v. Wade and, um, as a rare disease patient and knowing like my health, I know that I can't carry a child and that's really scary for me and how I navigate, um, not getting pregnant. So I think part of this too is going to be talking about family planning and the way of staying safe as a rare disease patient, um, knowing resources of who to reach out to if you need help with anything related to that. Um, I would love to provide that because I think as young women, um, especially, you know, looking back, if I were in college, I think that that's a legitimate concern that we should process. I agree. So as we're looking at how we're planning for this series, and it's it's it might take us a while to get through all the episodes, we might have a couple other episodes split in there. So it's not always this this deep of a topic. Um, we're definitely going to have an episode that's focused on Taylor, and that episode is going to be focused on her journey um, to date, a little bit deeper in her journey, where they are within their family planning, and also some of the logistics, like what she had to do to be able to get to where she is with her family planning progress. Um, my episode, so I, I guess I haven't out and out said it yet in this episode, but I will be starting a process for egg preservation and it's actually starting like super soon. Like the first step of it, it actually starts tonight. Um, so by the time these episodes air, it actually may have already happened. So, um, we're, just because we filmed that much in advance, we are looking to have an episode that's focused on adoption. So if you are a rare disease listener and have gone through the process or considered the process of adoption, please reach out to us because we'd love to hear some perspectives of someone who's actually gone down that path and really talking through a little bit more of the logistics of what that was like for you. Um, we'd like to have an episode on IVF as well. Um, so we're probably going to bring in a guest for that. And we'd also like to have an episode on fostering. Um, so if you are a rare disease patient and have gone through the process or are a foster parent, I'd really love to have you reach out to us too, because I think it would be really interesting to hear how you've gone down that path for your family planning. I think a big part of it too, is that I really want to reiterate that our family planning, our fertility does not stop when we are unable to carry or we're unable to, to go about that ourselves as a couple. I think that, I think that there's part of it, unfortunately, where I feel there's a level of privilege that I need to address of being able to, to have some of these services, given how costly they can be. I'm hoping that through bringing in different guests, we'll understand kind of like price points and on what to expect with each route as well. Cause I know things like fostering are significantly less expensive. Um, but I, I think to remember that even when we feel limited sometimes that there's always options out there. And if it's important to you and it's something you want to do, we shouldn't have to miss out on that just because we have a rare disease. The other thing I'd like to add is as we're talking through our limitations and where we are with our journeys, that doesn't mean that everyone in our disease is in this point. Um, 
So if anything out of this conversation, I really think you all need to talk to your doctors about what fertility looks like for you. Um, I will say that for me, it was, and I know we've talked about my list as I go to the doctors. It's been on my list to talk about for like eight months before I was actually able to, to bring myself to talk about it. And the only reason why I was able to bring myself to talk about it was because I sent an email to my nurse like the week before and was like, Hey, I want to talk about this. And so everyone knew that that was like the number one thing we needed to talk about that week. But if I hadn't done that, I probably would still have it on the bottom of my list and still kind of be like, Oh, well, I'll just do this next time when I'm ready. Yeah. And I think it's something we all have to approach as, as you're like going through this healing process too, because there was a point when surrogacy and adoption honestly sounded horrible to me. Like that's not what I wanted to do at all. That's not like I found that as a negative where through healing, you know, it's a positive and it's something I'm really excited about and looking forward to. So hopefully through our journeys, there will be some comfort, understanding, maybe some learning for you guys to experience to our young listeners out there too. Um, I would love honestly to bring a younger, like young adult on that has some questions too, just about um, anything family planning related as we go through this. I think there's so much to uncover. There's so much to get into that we will do the best that we can, but we honestly are still healing each and every day through this new days have new challenges and um, we're just going to kind of take it as we go. And for all the moms out there, I know that there's some moms out there that listen to this with their kiddos. Um, we're going to try to keep this as family friendly as possible because we really just want this to ignite conversations. And I know it's a topic that people are uncomfortable talking about. And it probably took us a little bit to even after we decided we were going to revisit this after we've saved the other episode very deeply into the archives of our computer. Um, it's been a little bit for us to even bring this up because we know how difficult of a conversation this is. And really, we want these episodes to start that conversation. We want you to think about what family planning is like for you, because I think the sooner you talk about it and think about it and look through different options, the easier those conversations get. And the more excited that you can be if your option isn't what you may have thought of when you were seven years old playing house. Um, I think that there's a lot of really great options out there. Unfortunately, many of them are very costly and we'll go through that with our episodes of what that looks like for us. And so that is a big hurdle. And I'm hoping that if you are a mom with a kiddo, that some of these conversations even start people thinking through how to change some of those cost systems because Family planning shouldn't be for the rich of the world. It shouldn't be the Kim Kardashians who are able to have surrogates and easily do it. It should be available to all patients, especially rare disease patients. And I think there's a big part of that too that we've been passionate about is the fact that some of these services and some of these procedures are fully covered with more mainstream diagnosis. And so through charities and, and whatever you can apply for, but rare disease gets lost in that. And rare disease is, does not come up as criteria for some of those. So hopefully through conversation and through our passion of this, 
of this topic in general, we can ignite some change with that because it's so very needed. So everyone, um, this is just a preview of what our series is going to be. I'm happy that we've both gotten to the point that we're comfortable sharing. And it, if you had heard the first episode that we did of this, you you would have known how much growth Taylor and I have gone through over the past six months. Um, so thank you for listening to us today and be on the lookout for the other episodes in this series. Um, please reach out to us if you have questions, if you have stories you want to share. We'll definitely, if you want us to even share your stories with our listeners, we, we can definitely have some mini episodes focused on stories as well. But um, thank you for listening. And this has been the Not So Rare Podcast.